morning, everyone. As Adam said, this is a little bit different today. My name is Christina, and I am the family ministry director here. You guys are used to seeing Adam. He's the one with the really tight clothes, and John with the incredibly bad announcements. But you don't know me, and that's because normally at this hour, I'm downstairs with your kids. And normally into this service, I'd already be covered in bubble liquid and knee-deep in goldfish. So it's great to be with adults today. Um, it's going to be fun. We're talking about something really exciting. As Adam said, he came to me and he wanted me to talk about what we're talking about today, and it is love. And I think we're going to see, I may be a little biased, I think this is going to be the most important thing that we talk about in this series. But before I talk about something as important as love, I want to kind of give you a little bit of my background so you can know what my context for love even is. So I want to introduce you to my family. This is the Florios, and we've been here at DHC since day one, so you've probably seen us around. This is my dad, Steve. He's also known as the parking lot guy, so if you've seen him, he's drenched with sweat. And then there's my mom. She's the volunteer coordinator. Her name is Pam, and she's the really peppy greeter that's going to meet you at the door. And then there's my sister, and she is downstairs right now. Her name's Sarah, and she is a small group leader for the boardwalk, which is elementary, and she deals with the kindergartners through second graders. So we're plugged in. We love what's going on here, and, you know, they've been an incredible source of love throughout my whole life, and I'm going to get to share some little stories throughout today, which I think will be fun. Um, but, you know, I also think I can add a little bit of a different perspective because, let's face it, Adam and John are, like, ancient. They're old farts. But, well, I'm 22, and so when I talk about the impact that love can have on a kid, I'm going to be able to relate to what it was like and what it felt as a kid, because that wasn't too long ago for me. So I hope that's something you'll enjoy as we dig in. And I do have, before we move on, one more source of love that's very new for me, so this is kind of different and exciting, but that's my fiancé. His name is Christian, and we met at the University of Florida. We studied, both studied public relations and got to know each other through an organization called Crew. Now we got engaged a month ago today, and we're getting married. He lives in Fort Lauderdale now, and thank you. Yes, I already got a round of applause. Um, so we're excited about that. Thank you. Uh, so this is my background, and I, I'm excited to get to know you more through today and just through our conversations here at DHC. Um, so let's jump right in, though. We're talking about love. Now, if you've been here in this family ministry series, you know that we've used this number a few times, and that's 936. And that's because that's how many weeks you have from the time a kid is born to the time they graduate high school. And we represent that number with this really heavy marble jar. Adam doesn't make it look heavy. And that's because there are 936 marbles in this. And we encourage parents, when they have a kid, to get a jar of marbles. And every week to take out a marble, because then you can see, one, I'm losing my marbles. Two, you can see that time is precious, and you really want to value the time that you do have, because you'll see it dwindling away. And we think that since time is precious, there are certain things we want to do over time. One of those is time. Time over time. We talked about that two weeks ago. And time over time creates history. And then there's words. We talked about that last week. And words over time creates direction because the things you say to a kid impact the decisions they make and the ultimate direction that their lives take. Now today, like I said, I'm a little biased. Today is a big one. We're talking about love. We think that love matters so much. We think love matters even more than we think it matters. And that's because we believe that love over time leads to worth. Worth is huge. Worth is so crucial in each and every one of our lives. And so hold on to that word worth because we're going to get back to that. Right now I want to focus on love and how much love matters. Think about a world without love. We're so used to having love in the structure of our world. What would it be like if we didn't have it? Well, I think a lot of things wouldn't exist or even, you know, make any sense. Things such as 
we wouldn't have Whitney Houston or Michael Jackson or lots of other love singers. We wouldn't have movies or movies would look different because I'm, I hate to break it to you, but Elsa would die and Sleeping Beauty would still be sleeping. That'd be a kind of weird movie. Um, we wouldn't have TV shows we love like Friends or Seinfeld or even if you're into Stranger Things. That, there's a lot of love in there too. And gosh, where would we be without couple names? Like if we didn't have Bradgelina or, well, actually we don't have them. Sorry, is that too soon? Um, and man, for me, be sad because we wouldn't have The Bachelor. Now, some of you would actually rejoice like my mom. She'd be jumping up and down. But uh, there'd be a lot of things we wouldn't have or they wouldn't make sense. And you know, that just would not be a good world to live in, I think. I think that love may just be the best idea that ever came along. And that's why we're focusing in on it today. And we're actually going to take a look at what the inventor of love had to say about love and just how important he thought it was. So if you have your scriptures, or you have the app, or you just want to look up on the screen with us, we're going to be today in Mark 12. It says here, One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. This is huge because you see the people that Jesus was talking to were religious leaders who had devoted their lives to following the ancient scriptures, which were full of hundreds and hundreds of rules and regulations telling you what to do, what you can't do, what you should do, what you should wear, what you eat, all these things. It really did take a full life of devotion to follow. And Jesus says, hey, you're doing great putting a lot of effort into that, but I'm about to change the whole dynamic of it all. And I want you to put all that effort you're putting into following these commandments I want you to instead put all that effort toward love. And, you know, this is hard for the religious leaders to grasp because this is so life-changing. But Jesus says, hey, I'm, I'm coming. I'm going to do something really big. I'm going to do something on the cross, and it's going to change the game. And so I want you to focus on this greater mission of love. And so that's why we think that Jesus said it best, that love matters. And, you know, he actually said three things all at once about love in these verses. He said that loving God matters, loving yourself matters, and loving people matters. And I'm going to break that down even more, so follow me here, because it's going to fly by and be crazy. But here it is. Loving God helps you love yourself. Because if love over time equals worth, like we talked about, then having an ongoing relationship with the inventor of love is the best step toward developing a sense of self-worth. Loving God also helps you love others. Because experiencing this love inspires you to look at the people around you differently and to love them too. Loving yourself also helps you love God. Because when you realize that you are a unique creation, because that's what God tells you, that you're a unique creation, you have no choice but to thank and want to get to know this amazing creator. Now, loving yourself also helps you love others. Because how can you show active love to the people around you if you don't first love yourself? You know, I was talking with Adam about this, and he brought up the point of unhappy marriages. Because sometimes in marriages, if one of the persons feels unloved, and you can often find that the person who's supposed to be giving them love doesn't first love themselves. And so that's why loving yourself helps you love others, and that's so important. We got more. There's loving others helps you love God. Jesus said, 
that what you do for the least of these, you do for me. And so basically what that means is that when you love others, you're actually loving God. And that's cool. That's, that's a game changer. And lastly, loving others helps you love yourself. This can be a moment if there's any Friends fans out there. I watch Friends way too much. And there's one episode where Joey is trying to convince Phoebe that there's no such thing as a selfless act. Because no matter what, yeah, she knows friends. And no matter what Phoebe tried to do for other people, and she tried to even make it brutal for herself, didn't matter. She got some sort of benefit out of it, even if it was just feeling good. And I thought maybe if you don't watch Friends, I don't know why you wouldn't, I thought maybe we can compare that to gift giving. Because I would assume that you don't give a gift for the intent of personal gain. If you do, that's another message for another day. But... When you see the person's face, when you give them the gift and you see the joy it brings them, it brings you joy too. I think both parties get to win in things like this, and I think that's how God intended it. So loving others helps you love yourself. That was a lot, right? I'm sorry. I just unpacked like too much. But, you know, I think it can show us how dynamic love is and when we practically apply it to these different areas of our life, how important love is. And that's why Jesus emphasized it. And you know, he wrapped it up. There's a verse after what we just read. He says one more thing. He says that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets, those were the Old Testament, the scriptures that these religious leaders were following. All of them hang on love. All of the commandments are summarized in love. See, if you get love right, you get everything else right. That's why love is so important. And that's why love is the summary. Love is fulfilled in those commandments. And so, you know, I want to add one more dynamic to this. We've been talking about in this family ministry series, kids. And so I encourage you, we're going we're gonna to take a different direction. We're going to talk about kids here for a bit. And I'm going to put something up on the screen. And it might make you a little nervous at first. It's a very bold statement, I understand. But I encourage you to really sit in it and think about it with me because I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been studying this a lot. I've been spending time with the kids downstairs. And I think that if we can adopt this and believe it, I think it'll change the next generation. So here it is. Love matters more in the life of a kid than it does in the life of an adult. It's bold, I know. But here's the thing. Adults, they pretty much know who they are. You know, yes, we, of course we change, and Jesus says that, and that's important for us to believe as adults. But kids... They're in this, like, cool stage in their life. They're like an empty, empty, like, canvas where they get to find out who they are and what they like, and they get to discover what makes them uniquely who they are. They get to, you know, take risks and figure out, why am I so unique? And because that's such a special part in their life, you know, they're developing this thing called self-concept, and that is how you view yourself. And psychologists compare this phenomenon to a big puzzle, So if you think about every experience that a kid has is like this greater puzzle coming together to form a bigger picture of how they see themselves. That's why it's so hard whenever a kid goes through a negative experience, such as like mean words from a teacher, bullying from a peer, or even abuse, because all of these experiences are like answers to this greater picture of who am I? And that's why we think it is so important for them to receive love in this point of their life. Because here's the thing, if they don't receive that love, it's not good. And here's the thing, kids have been going through this forever. But what I'm really passionate about is that our kids today are facing something unlike any other kid. 
because they have the internet. They have social media. Yeah. And the internet has opened up a world of opinions, mostly negative opinions, and all these standards that they feel like they have to live up to, basically telling a kid that they're not good enough, they don't measure up, and they should be unhappy with who they are. It breaks my heart because kids, when, you know, when this happens so often, they don't feel loved. And when they don't and they feel like failures, unfortunately, a lot of times they feel like they have to process it or cope with it. And trying to cope with these failures, unfortunately, a lot of times kids will turn to really bad and harmful habits or addictions, things such as pornography. Because if a kid doesn't feel loved, they want to feel like they can feel something if they feel emotionally deprived or lonely. Or sometimes kids will turn to cutting. I had a best friend in middle and high school who struggled with cutting because she felt like if she was a failure and she made a, a failure, then she had to pay for it by punishing herself. And then, I mean, the most devastating of it all is when kids feel like they need to turn to suicide. Maybe they just feel like they can't do it anymore. They give up. These standards are too impossible. And I had someone I knew in college. It was actually my fiance's small group who committed suicide. And I want this to be more than an emotional thing, because it is. It's very emotional, I'm sure, for all of us. But I, I want to really drive home the fact that this is reality. This is really happening with our kids today. And so I have some statistics that I'm going to put up that are all from studies done last year by national organizations because I want us to really get empowered by this, know it's real so that we'll do something about it. 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to pornography before the age of 18. So these are kids that are turning to these things. And then there's self-harm. One in five females and one in seven males engage in self-harm, whether that's cutting or burning or eating disorders. But that statistic includes adults. Here's the thing, though. 90% start when they are a teenager or a preteenager. And so, unfortunately, a lot of times those are habits they can't even move past from, but it starts at this critical time in their life. And lastly, the most devastating of it all is... 17% seriously attempted committing suicide. And this is among high school students, grades 9 through 12. So 17% considered. 13.6% actually made a plan. And 8% attempted suicide one or more times within 12 months. High school students from last year. And you know what I see when I see these percentages? I see a lack of love. I see kids who feel like, I, I'm not good enough. There's no one who's rooting for me. I, I don't have any worth. I don't have a life to live. Where are the parents or where are the adults that are influential that are, that are telling them, hey, you have a God who first and foremost tells you that you are unique and you're a creation. I made you and I love you. And where are the adults that are saying, hey, you have this great plan over your life. I can't wait to see what happens. Because do you think maybe we'd be talking here if those adults were there? Because what I see in each one of those percentages, I think about, man, where is the love? Because when there's a lack of love, there's a lack of self-worth. Self-worth is way too big of a struggle in our culture today. And we've got to do something about it. That's why we're so passionate. And that's why we said earlier that kids need to learn to love themselves while they are still kids. Because these are crucial years, people. This is the time we've got to instill in them that you have worth. You are special. And I actually want to think, and I want to say too, because I think our world could look a little differently. I think it could look a lot differently. 
because, you know, our world's a little nuts. I think we would all agree. But when a kid thinks that they have worth and they think that they have a purpose, God loves me, I matter, then they're going to think, well, you know, if that's true about me, then that's true about the person across from me too. That's true for all the people around me. Because like we said earlier, you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. You don't think your neighbor matters if you don't think you matter. And so if we can teach our kids that they have worth and you are loved, think about how that could be a greater impact in our world. And so when you are giving love to the kids in your life, think about how that's making a greater impact in the world as a whole, because I really think it does. I know, that was a lot. What do you do about it? Here at DHC, we think it is so important that when you walk away from these seats, you know exactly what to do about it. And so I'm going to leave you guys with three principles that I think you can do with your time to really make them matter with your kids. But before I do that, I want to share a little story. So growing up, I loved to sing. And my dad proved to me that he believed in me no matter what and supported me specifically with my singing. And when I was a high school senior, I had to make the decision if I wanted to pursue music full-time or I wanted to pursue family ministry full-time. But before I gave up that part of my life, my dad was persistent. He was like, you got to give it one last shot to make sure you really know you're making the right choice. And so if you know my dad, you know he doesn't do anything small. He goes big or goes home. And so he flew my mom and I out to Houston, Texas to audition for the 11th season of American Idol. And this is where I show you pictures from my success when I won. Um, no. This is where I tell you that I became a family ministry director. Um, but that experience was so cool for me, not only because it was literally a cool experience, but just because it spoke so much about my dad. Because he could have told me all he wanted, wanted that I thought my voice was good. I mean, I'm sure that's how other people make it on American Idol. Because they're like, yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Keep going. But, um, you know, his actions spoke of a love so loud and spoke that he really believed in me. How could I not believe in myself? And, you know, his love was unconditional. Because when I got home, he wasn't upset or disappointed or anything. In fact, there was this little sign in my room. It said, you're my American Idol. And no, my dad was not an English major. Um... <laughs> Your number, <laughs> your number one fan, dad. Now, this was six years ago. I still have this. This is how much that meant to me. Kids and teenagers need adults like this, adults who are going to show up and be there and love them consistently, patiently, and regardless. They need to know that that's how love works, what love does, and why love matters. So as we jump into these three things that I'm going to let you take home, I hope that you'll think about the different kids in your life, or even adults, this is so important for adults too, that you can really impact. And as far as kids go, I know you don't have to be a parent. Maybe you're an aunt or an uncle, or even a teacher, or a small group leader, or a godparent. You know, there's so many kids in our lives that if you think about it, think about those kids that maybe really matter most to you. And hopefully you can be more intentional with your time using these three principles. So to kick it off, we're talking about showing up. Seems like an understatement, but understatements are good because to give them your time, you got to be there. And since it is such a simple thing, though, showing up, I do want to give you three ways I think it's important to show up. And the first is predictably. My mom was the most predictable person in my life. We didn't have a bus growing up, and so I got to spend morning and afternoon car rides with her. 
And that was so cool for me as a kid because school can be nervous when you're young. And so I was like, oh, if I was ever nervous about something or needed advice or encouragement, I knew, well, hey, I'm going to have that time with my mom. I know she's going to be there. So I'll be able to get advice from her there. Or, you know, if something goes bad, she'll be there for me when I get back and when I get picked up from school. Maybe for you, that's in the morning when you make them breakfast or at night when you put them to bed. Just showing up predictably, looking at your schedule and figuring out a way where your kid knows you're going to be there, that's so good and that's so important. Because then when kids feel that confidence, like, okay, I can take a risk. I can discover who I am and I can make those steps. They know that if they fall on their face, you're going to be right there for them because you're their rock. The other way that I want you to show up is randomly. This is for like concerts and basketball games and football games and you randomly show up in the life of a kid that matters to you. That matters to them so much. You know, that could be, for my mom, she would bring preschool snacks to me or for my dad, he would take me on daddy-daughter dates. And actually, most recently, they randomly showed up at my engagement. That was crazy. And if my face, it's really embarrassing, doesn't show you how important it is to show up randomly in the life of a kid. I don't know what will. This is like so humiliating. Um, and also, here's my mom and dad. They're like crouching down, about to jump out. And Adam and John like to think that right now he's like praying about the cost of the wedding. Um, he still is, in case you're wondering. Um, but showing up randomly, even 22 year, years later, means that much to me. So important. And then lastly, there's mentally. Because when you're showing up in these contexts, to a kid, and even an adult, it really doesn't matter unless you're fully present. So the emails can wait, the texts can wait, and if you're like a really progressive adult and you're on Snapchat, that can wait too. Because you're busy proving to a kid that they're worth it. So the second thing we have is to know them. You see, kids are consistently changing. From week to week, they're going to have a different favorite color or boy band or a different crush in school and probably a different life aspiration. But that's the fun of getting to know a kid. They're so funny to watch as they explore the world and figure out how they fit in it. And so as adults, I think it's our, our challenge to set aside time after time to discover and rediscover what makes them uniquely who they are. And then the third one is never run away. And this one's important. You know, because when you get to know a kid, a lot of times it's going to get messy. And I challenge you to never run away. Maybe they get sick or they experience a natural consequence of something, one of the decisions they made. Or maybe they just experience emotional heartache. I mean, gosh, I had enough of that to go around for everybody. And I'm sure my parents are just as happy as I am that my dating years are in the past. But how you respond in those moments is so crucial to how not only a kid interprets their situation, but how they interpret themselves. So never running away is fundamental in a kid, learning their worth and learning the love that they deserve. So all of that said, I think and I hope you can see that love changes everything. That's why we believe that love matters most. That's why we believe that Jesus so clearly maximized and prioritized it because love truly does change everything. You know, because Jesus was talking about how it's the summary of all the commandments, the greatest mission we can be on. And Paul, one of his followers, said a pretty similar thing in Romans. It says this, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. If we can get on board this mission and know that it is the fulfillment of everything we could live for, if we just love God and love our neighbor and love ourselves, I think we'll be on a pretty great mission on this thing called life. Love over time is the one thing 
that matters most. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much that you set this example for love over time equaling worth. Because we know that you, did, you proved over time something you could only prove over time, was that you loved us. You loved us unconditionally and you loved us predictably. And God, we're so thankful for that. And I just pray that we would be encouraged by that message and empowered by it to look at the people around us, adults and kids, and to know that they need our love, that you desire that we just spread love in this world. We need so much more of it, God. So I pray over our world. I pray over our people. I pray over our relationships. I just pray love over everything because we know that it changes everything. Thank you for the example you set for us and thank you for the love you give us. Pray this all in your name. Amen.